Today is Transfiguration Sunday. I just had to put in a picture of home. <clears throat> I really wanted to. That's, uh, thanks, Jan. That's the Tetons right there, just in the valley as you're coming from, uh, from Togety Pass. Anyway, I just had to throw in a picture of home. Um, today is Transfiguration Sunday. And you will remember that as, as was read to us about the event round and about, this is the day we remember that Jesus took the disciples, a few disciples up on some unknown mountain, and he was transfigured there, transformed, glorified, whatever you want to call it. Now, what we're going to talk about, it comes out of Matthew 17, and, and what we're going to talk about is that this connects to every other thing. If I were to ask you, what does the transfiguration of Jesus mean to your Christian faith right now? Some of you sharp sparks would be able to give me a, a bright sparks, sharp tools, knives, whatever. You would be able to give me those really quick answers, but many of us would be like, yeah, you got me, man. So we're talking about what does the transfiguration of Jesus mean today? And I'm going to connect it to the crucifixion of Jesus. There's lots of Old Testament connections. Eric read to us one of them. Moses went up on the mountain in the cloud and got, met God on the mountain. We're going to connect it to the crucifixion today. And this, this makes your Christian faith so very exciting. We had a fun time doing this in discipleship hour just a minute ago. But now we're going to talk about it with this too. So... Let me connect the transfiguration of Jesus with the crucifixion of Jesus. Here we go. If you don't have a Bible, I'll read to you from Matthew 17. If you do, you can go ahead and turn there right now. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you want, I will make three dwellings, tabernacles, okay? Here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With Him I am well pleased. Listen to Him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up. Get up. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus Himself there alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, tell no one about this. Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Okay, Matthew 17. Artist rendering, you know, from a, from a kid's Sunday school book, probably. So, let's sum this up. Jesus, just before this event, Jesus, just before this event, with the boys, was walking up, up north, you know, or as they say, up north, right? <laughs> up north, or however Minnesota folks say that, up north. And he's up, up in Caesarea Philippi, which had its own, we could run out what that meant too. But in Caesarea Philippi, that's where Peter says, Jesus said, who am I? And Peter said, you're the Christ, man. You're the Christ, 
the Messiah. You are the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yeah, <laughs> okay, <laughs> fist bump Peter. Uh, Peter forgot, you know, the, the Messiah, really important. And then Jesus goes on just a second later after that. He says, hey, disciples, men and women, women and men, you want to follow me? You're going to take up a cross. You're going to follow me. You're going to take, take up a cross. And you're going to follow me. That's how disciples follow me. Through selfless love and sacrifice for the good of others. That's what you're going to do. And then bang, right here. Jesus takes three of the, of the close disciples, the closest disciples up here. And as we read, his glory is, is revealed. His glory is revealed. So, right? It's like it was, it was like it was, it was turned back, right? To open the curtain. You know, like this morning when the sun is actually shining here, you open the curtains and that boom, the sun hits you and you're like, yeah. I'm smiling because the sun. That's what happened with Jesus. Like he opened the curtain to show. Okay, that's what happened. And, and then the vo- he sees Moses and Elijah and the voice. And the, this is, okay, then it's over. So I'd like to connect. I love making connections in throughout the Bible with you guys. Uh, just to help you understand my coming from. Um, it helps my faith. Um, it helps me to see how God's purpose in the world and how this whole Christianity thing fits together. So I'd like to show you five connections. Oh, sorry, six connections again. Now, connecting the transfiguration of Jesus, this event, to the crucifixion, which was coming up in a short time. The first one says revealed. Revealed. What do you mean revealed, Aaron? Well, and I'd like to cite N.T. Wright on these. Revealed. Okay. On this mountaintop at the transfiguration, like I said, the glory of Jesus is revealed. The glory of God is revealed. The curtain is pulled back. You can see he becomes shining bright because he is God. Just like Moses' face got all like white. And not white, bright. Thank you. Bright, because he was in the presence of God. Jesus is the presence of God. He is, that is pulled back. It's like Superman, you know, right? You can see underneath there. It's revealed on that, the glory of God is revealed in that moment. All right, well, how does that connect to the crucifixion? Well, on that hill just outside of Jerusalem city, God is, Jesus is revealed in shame. Revealed in glory, revealed in shame on the cross. And in these two revealing times, we can see God, y'all. We can see God. We see God in the glory of God in, on, an, on a mountaintop with the sun shining bright. We can see God in the time of death and sacrifice and pain. We can see God in both of these. We see the God who laughs and the God who cries and weeps for the world all put together in the same Jesus. Yeah? Make sense? Is that cool? He's revealed. God is revealed in the, the Jesus on the mountain and the Jesus on the cross. Hey, that's pretty cool, right? All right, let's talk about clothing. Well, here, Jesus' clothing, what happened to Jesus' clothing, right? It, it got, you know, white and bleached. 
My mom used to say that her mama used to put in, you know, way back in the day, they used to put like bluing. Bluing? Yeah, I'm like, cool. I have no idea. Some of you all know what that is. Jesus, Jesus, mama washed his clothing and put bluing in it, made it just white as could be on the hill, on the mountaintop. Jesus' clothing is transfigured into this glorifying thing. What happened to Jesus' clothing on the on the crucifixion hill? It was taken off. They didn't rip it. They took it off and cast lot. They threw dice for it to see he was revealed in shame. Right? Because in that culture, part of the reason they crucified you was to, sh- to, you were naked on that cross, and that was part of it. So that's the clothing connects to the crucifixion. Number three here, that Jesus is flanked. In, in Transfiguration Day, Jesus is flanked by who? You remember? Yeah, Moses and Elijah, symbolizing. Law and prophets. The law, the first five books of the Testament of the Old Testament, was given to to them to Israel. The covenant was given through Moses on Mount Sinai. That's what Eric read to us. Now, after that, the primo prophet of Israel was Elijah. If you go, Passover's coming up, right? Anybody have any Jewish friends? You go to Passover meal. There's a couple of synagogues in town. At Passover meal, they actually set a plate with an empty chair for Elijah. And they leave the front door open so that when Elijah shows up, that means the Messiah is coming. You don't say. Funny how that works. When Elijah shows up, the Messiah is coming. And so... Elijah was a prophet calling Israel back to God. And so around Jesus, we have law and prophets. Now, fast forward sometime to the crucifixion hill. Who's Jesus flanked by there? Our our lousy translation says thieves. They weren't thieves. They were murderous revolutionaries. Okay, Roman soldiers didn't crucify guys that took apples from old Lady Magruder down at the market. They weren't thieves. They were murderous revolutionaries. So Jesus is flanked by these men who had taken life, life by these men who were being Israel in a way that they shouldn't be Israel. As a symbol that from what should be and what is. It's kind of a judgment. Israel, you have gone wrong. You are murderous revolutionaries. God wants a, a relationship with you in the world, but you're breaking it by being murderous revolutionaries when you should be law and prophets. Okay? That's connecting. Covered. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll quicken this up here. Covered. He's covered. What happened to Jesus up on the mountain? A mist, a, a cloud, just like happened to Moses, comes over. Whew, that's awesome. A bright, incandescent mass comes over them. What happens on Crucifixion Hill? Darkness in the midday. So you see the opposites here again. 
Next, Peter. Peter, old, old Peter. God love Peter. Peter, he's like, Jesus, <laughs> nice. I'm going to build three tabernacles for you. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He's like, oh, man, we got work to do. Come on. Now, fast forward to Crucifixion Hill. What's Peter doing there? <laughs> Peter's like, I don't know him. <laughs> who him no never seen him before in my life you know expletive 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 i'm getting out of here peter's denying okay and the last one here of the sun out of this incandescent cloud comes the voice of god the father god says this is my son i am pleased listen to him at the cross do we hear somebody say something like that You've got a Roman, pagan, non-Jewish centurion saying, surely this was the Son of God. Holy cow. You probably knew those. I find those fascinating, how this connects. Now, now the question is, Aaron, these help us understand each other. The mountain helps us understand the hill of crucifixion. The hill of crucifixion helps us understand the mountain because we learn to see the glory of God, like I said, in that glorious, radiant moment, but also in that very painful moment. Uh, Jürgen Moltmann, a German theologian, he said he called God the God who weeps, the God who cries. Because what happened on that hill outside of Jerusalem. So this is bringing together the, the hidden God who, who laughs and who cries and brings this God into this revealing Jesus. You want to know what God looks like? You look right at Jesus. Right there. And you will see what God the Father looks like. Okay? So how does that help us? How does this all help us? Well, suppose the stories are true. Suppose these stories are true. You're like, well, stick with me. Suppose the stories of ancient Israel are true. Creator God made heaven and earth. Suppose that God set them free and called Israel to be at Sinai, through Moses, gave them the covenant, called them to be the people of God to help make the world better. Suppose God had a purpose for the world. Suppose that evil was not the way things are supposed to be. Suppose that death was not the way things are supposed to be. And greed and hate. Suppose that the purpose of God took on human form. Suppose that the purpose of God to defeat evil and death and sin took on human form and went about proclaiming God's reign, the kingdom of God. Not a God who reaches in from afar and dabbles in things doing miracles, but the God who comes near. Suppose it's true that God's Rule begins on earth as it is in heaven, in this man. Suppose that God's space and our space begin to overlap in this Jesus. 
Suppose that God's time and our time begin, become one and the same. Just suppose that the new creation is pushing aside the old creation that was broken through disobedience. Suppose that God is claiming His sovereignty over all the earth and God's purpose is to fill the world with His glory and His forgiveness and His hope with love and generosity and healing and mercy. Just suppose suppose that here in this transfiguration moment of Jesus the Christ, of God's glory coming to earth, not inside of a temple in Jerusalem. Don't need that anymore. Not on a mountain in the Sinai Peninsula. Don't need that anymore. The purpose of God coming down into one specific point, Jesus the Messiah, the Christ. Lord of heaven and earth. Imagine the purposes of God coming alive and in that alive purpose, that Jesus, that healer, that merciful, sacrificial one for us, all things are made right. Everything comes together in Jesus. Everything comes together because God took on flesh and tabernacled among us. That's the translation of John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Peter said, I'll I'll build the tabernacle. You get it? See how this all knits together? This stuff's awesome. Now, this Jesus came to set the world free from sin, death, and evil. And I know every one of you cries out for that in your heart. Because I do. Right? Right now we look around, we're like, coronavirus, man! Or Syria, this and that, bombings and terrorist attacks and, and, and people getting shot up here and there. What is the answer? And you know the answer as well as I do, and that's why you're here today. That answer is in Jesus the Christ. Because He is the seed sown into the ground. Wait a minute, I hear a Jesus phrase. Unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, nothing new will come up. Jesus is that seed planted so new creation might come. He is not some random dude who came to do some random stuff to teach you how to be a good person so you go to heaven when you die. (laughs) Jesus came to turn things upside down so that we could be a part of it. We could be part of new creation the way you were always meant to be. The way the world was always meant to be. The way politics were always meant to be. And the way economies were always meant to be. and, and, And housing and streets and and banks, and churches, and your family, and my family, and the way you love yourself, and the way I love myself. Jesus came to make all of this right. New creation. It began on, the, in the, on, on transfiguration, was completed on the cross, and then on Easter morning, my very favorite... <laughs> My mother-in-law asked me last year, what, what's your favorite Bible verse? And I said, John chapter 20, verse 1, early on the first day of the new week. 
She's like, no, really. I said, no, really. Early on the first day of the new week, Jesus steps out of the tomb looking much like He did on, on Transfiguration Day, I'll wager. Jesus steps out of that tomb to new creation early on the first day of the new week. You remember Genesis? God rested and then new started. God rested in the tomb and then on the first day of the new week. To the new creation that you are You can avail yourself of this if you but say yes. And can I? Right? Being a Christian isn't becoming, you know, isn't just becoming a nice person who we get together and eat donuts. It's not about being spiritual, although we do love a good donut and we are spiritual people. We are about being the way God always made us to be. Those new people who don't play by the old rules frightening, terrifying people. You're not supposed to be quaint. You're supposed to be terrifying. Right? Because terrifying people get crucified and if you're supposed to be like Jesus, you're supposed to be terrifying too. Terrifying people forgive where there should be no forgiveness. Terrifying people give where you shouldn't give. Terrifying people are hopeful where there is no hope. Terrifying people do things that are so unworldly that they make other people nervous. That's your place as a Christian. Make people nervous. I make people nervous all the time. (laughs) Kidding. To believe these things and to become a part of this movement of God, that's what it means to be a Christian. Not following rules, although there are expectations. To be part of the Jesus movement to make the world right. Be Holy as your Father is holy. Live and love and transform the world. Pray like, man, pray like there's no tomorrow. And live like there's, live like today was your last. In Jesus Christ. Invite people to become a part of this. That's why I gave you these. Right? You're not inviting somebody to <laughs> some guy he's a he's a good show but it's pretty boring um i'm not inviting you to that no no you're inviting somebody to life transformation because you believe in jesus and what he's got going on as do i i want you to invite a family or a friend you don't have to go knocking on doors one of your families and your friend because you believe that jesus is the answer for what ails us and so if you didn't get one because you were like being all like prim and proper you know unclench and grab one of these or two April said should I order 250 I was like nah we'll start them slow we'll only order 100 Uh, let's go through this entire stack by next Sunday or the Sunday thereafter And I invite you today to be a part of the God who raised Jesus from the dead. I invite you to be life transformed, a new creation, because Jesus offers that to each of us. If we but say, yes, I believe. And we are transformed.
into transforming agents. That's what the, that's what the transformation, the transfiguration of Jesus is all about.